Welcome to the Love Yourself Naked podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Glubish, and I've been working with women for over two years to help them ditch the diet mentality, find food freedom, and gain a body confidence that they never knew was possible. There is so much information out there about how to eat, how to exercise, and how to live a healthy lifestyle. My goal on the show is to help answer all your questions and provide you the tools you need to live in peace with food and love your body. So if you are ready to discover what it's like to live a life without obsession, you are in the right place. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is a super exciting guest episode. I have someone actually that's been on the show in the past, but we are doing a little bit of a different style of an episode today. So um, today I have Ali Stone joining me. Ali is an amazing entrepreneurial woman. She is a leader in the female leadership industry, I suppose, and just entrepreneurial world. Um, I'm so grateful to have known Ali for over a decade, a very long time. And um, Ali in our last episode was actually here to chat about her role as a leadership coach and a female entrepreneur and, you know, her journey to, I guess, nurturing her relationship with herself and finding herself and discovering her purpose in life. And so today we're actually going to share about Ali's journey in working with me and what her her relationship with food and, you know, finding acceptance in her body and how that has really impacted her role as a leader as well. So Ali, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Chelsea. Super excited to be here. Um, Yeah, I've been really enjoying your podcast too and all your episodes. There's just so much to take away from all of them. So yeah, I'm super excited to see what we can share today with your listeners. Me too. I've actually really been getting a lot of feedback on the episodes that are like testimonial style episodes and just really finding that people have found so much value and expansion and it's really helped to normalize a lot of the process of going through the struggles that we all as women do with food and body. So I'm really, really grateful that you're going to share your story today. Yeah, me too. All right. I'm down. Okay. Well, why don't you just start by, I give a little bit of an introduction for you, but you just go ahead and introduce yourself in the way that you would like. Sure. That sounds good. Yeah. So, I mean, like if, if you're listening and if you've listened to the other podcasts, you know about my career. Um, so maybe I'll introduce myself a little more in the realm or the, the way in which, you know, uh, we reconnected and how we started working with each other. Um, you know, I came, I'm, I'm, I'm a high performing leader. (laughs) So I work a lot. I love my job. I have a lot of purpose and passion in what I do. Uh, But sometimes there's a dark side to those things. And you can find that maybe you work too much or don't take care of yourself. And I've always kind of teetered in my career and in my life teetered on this edge of, of not optimal health. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good way to describe it. I haven't been like, super unhealthy, but I haven't been like in great shape or felt great about my body or felt great about my health and my fitness and my capacity to show up. And I'd be tired at the end of days and all of these things. And so it was this low grade hum in the background. I always knew it was there, um, but it wasn't big enough to bother me, (laughs) you know, to do something about it. And then the pandemic hit and Uh, I found myself under so much stress. Like I remember the day that we had to lay off 350 team members and I was laying on the floor in my office. I had been in there for about seven hours on Zoom in my house. And at the end of the day, when I turned off the last Zoom call, I remember I I laid down on the floor and I literally like laid there in a ball and cried 
And I was just laying there thinking, holy, am I allowed to swear? Yes. <laughs> holy shit. I am so fucking stressed out. Like, and my body was just like done. And so I was just, it was just, and, and, and it went on for two years. And so I put on weight, I drank, I ate after every zoom call, it was like the habit to walk down to the fridge and eat a chocolate bar or like something or a cookie. And, uh, it got out of control and I put on 25, 30 pounds and I couldn't breathe properly. And I did not, I felt sluggish and lethargic and it was awful. And so, um, I don't know if I'm kind of telling my story, <laughs> introducing myself right now, but it yeah. was like, and so that's kind of how we reconnected. Cause I was watching what you were doing and I was like, oh, I just want to feel somewhat like what Chelsea looks like. She feels like right now. Cause I feel like garbage. Right. And so I had already hired a personal trainer and I was working out and it was, it was good. It was great. She's amazing, but it was only one piece of the puzzle and it wasn't enough. I wasn't getting, um, the momentum that I needed. And so, uh, thus brings me to the point in time where you and I reconnected. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I love that. I, that was so great. That was a great introduction, a great, <laughs> just kind of like seg into your story and yeah, how we reconnected. Um, there's so many things in that, that I want to circle back to. So a lot of the things that you touched on, I think are super relatable for a lot of people, obviously one of them being the pandemic because, mm-hmm something that I heard so often was I gained COVID weight. It was COVID weight, you know, because people didn't have anything to do other than eat, drink. And it was a very emotionally activating experience for everybody. Um, it was a very stressful time. And a lot of people do struggle with what they would term as, you know, being an emotional eater or emotional drinking, right? A lot of those coping mechanisms, I think just really got heightened during that time. Um, and as a result, people were feeling sluggish and out of shape and tired and just not like themselves. Um, I think one of the things I really wanted to highlight in that, obviously you talk about, you know, your, your weight journey as well and how that changed. I really just want to highlight, and you know, this as well now that that was a byproduct, right? Like that was one of the things that happened as a result of not taking care of yourself. And we can get into that a little bit more because I know since then you've seen that weight come back down also as a byproduct of now taking care of yourself, but really making sure that we're piecing those two concepts apart because weight and health are not the same thing. Yes. You felt sluggish and you couldn't breathe and all of these things were happening, but you weren't taking care of yourself. Right. So the big theme that I hear come up with weight is I've let myself go. And I always just ask people like, is it the weight or have you stopped taking care of yourself? Like what is actually happening behind the scenes? Like, let's get honest about that instead of just blaming your body. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think even the practices of self-care that I, that were so important to me pre-pandemic, like meditating, like journaling, uh, they were falling to the wayside. And so these pieces, there were days, Chelsea, where I didn't even see the light of day. So the room that I made in my house for an office only has one small window. And you know, like you're in the middle of winter and you know, you get up and you start working at nine, it's barely getting light out, you're done at 530. It's pitch black out, like like the depressive nature of it all and what that does to a human body is just, it's, 
we take for granted what a little bit of daylight or fresh air or like these things do for us. I keep trying to move around because my um, blinds are like in my face, but there's so much light in the space that I'm in right now. And I think it makes me so happy every day. And so we just have to deal with the dots on my face. <laughs> That's okay. I love it. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you pre pandemic and, you know, starting to experience these struggles, would you say that you struggled with emotional eating or drinking? Yeah, for sure. So I used to be a smoker. So I was a smoker for 13 years. Gross. Think about that now. And I'm like, oh, it's so gross. And so I got to a point where I convinced myself that smoking was disgusting and I was able to quit. And that was what it took for me. I tried. It took me about five years to finally quit smoking from the point where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I know it's not good for me to the point where I actually said, I'm never going to pick up another cigarette again, which is so gross to think about cigarettes like don't even exist anymore. <laughs> but um, so that was emotional habit for me because it satiated something inside of me. And it wasn't enough just to be like, this isn't good for my health. I was actually like connected to a cigarette. And so it took, yeah, it took me creating, it was probably my first experience of learning to make a shift in my mind and in my thinking and shifting my thinking to the point of believing that cigarettes were like, I use the word disgusting. So um, nothing against smokers, but I actually can't be around you now because I actually think it's so repulsive. And I had to do that to myself to quit because I was so emotionally connected to smoking. So smoking for sure drinking. I've been in the hospitality industry for my whole life. And so it's been social. It's been normalized. It's been part of life. Um, I've always had like a glass of wine with dinner. It's been normal and part of the experience. And so making those shifts have been really powerful for me as well. I think when you have a glass of wine every night, I honestly don't think there's anything wrong with it. If it's under control, if it's one glass, whatever, but it's really easy to increase that really quickly if you're not careful. And so you got to be super conscious about what you're doing yeah. in those moments. And I don't know if the eating was as much for me, um, but I witnessed it growing up. So when my parents got divorced, I witnessed my mom emotionally eat through her trauma and her healing of it all. And she put on a lot of weight. And I look back on that and I think it's like, it's so sad for me. Right. So yeah, I've probably seen or experienced all of them in my life. What's your relationship with alcohol like now? Uh, It's really interesting because I try to keep it really conscious. Um, So, you know, I got to a place, uh, I had a pretty traumatic year this year too. And so I got to a place earlier in this year where I was drinking much more than I would have ever wanted to drink. And I was already on this journey back to myself, which was super interesting, but this is life. We have blips and blobs and this is how it goes. Um, and so as I stepped out of that moment, out of that kind of infraction in my life and started to reflect on what that looked like, I started to change my relationship with alcohol. And so I don't drink if I'm feeling emotional. Mm -hmm. So if like, I'll still have a glass of wine almost every night with dinner, but if I am feeling emotional that day or something is going on or my mind is somewhere else, I don't do it. So those are the days I don't drink. So I try to be really intentional and only drink in a space of calm and ease so that I don't get that emotional connection to 
because these things do give you momentary relief, right? And this is how you become addicted to them. And so anyway, this is just how my mind works (laughs) and how I've tried to work with it. And, you know, my thought was if that didn't work, then I had to quit drinking altogether. Right. Worked pretty well for me. Um, My alcohol intake is, I don't know, a quarter of what it was earlier this year. So I don't drink much at all. Um, And I feel good about it. And when I do have a drink, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I feel okay about it. Right. So, yeah. So interesting how you took two totally different approaches with Mm -hmm. smoking versus alcohol, you know, smoking, you had to totally convince yourself that it was disgusting and alcohol. You were able to actually find like a healthy relationship with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think at the stage when I tried to quit smoking, I was, uh, intellectually developed enough to understand, but I don't want a healthy relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it's still acceptable to go out and have a drink with a friend. Right. And so yeah. I want to be able to do that, but I have to be able to do that within moderation. And it has to feel aligned with who I am authentically in the moment. I'm worried about what that's doing to me. It's not aligned. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Yeah. it's interesting with substances because Typically the prescription for wellness is abstinence, but Mm -hmm. when it comes to food, people that say that they have a food addiction or they struggle with emotional eating or binge eating or anything in that realm, like you can't abstain from food, right? So the prescription for wellness can't be the same, even though in a sense, people assume that it is a parallel type of addiction, right? And it's not quite the same. It's more complex than that as everything is. Um, You don't actually ever really have an addiction to food, but there are definitely those relationships that become unhealthy. So that's where it gets challenging to navigate that because you can't say, well, I'm just going to tell myself that food is disgusting and stop eating it, right? Like it it doesn't work like that. So I'm curious for you then how, and this might kind of segue into our time together as we started working together, but how did you start to change that relationship with food? How did you heal that relationship with food to a point where it was a healthy coping mechanism if it was being used as a coping mechanism? Mm-hmm. Well, I okay, so I'll back up into my story a little bit here because being in the hospitality industry, I had a really unhealthy relationship with food. So we, and if people are listening in hospitality, they're going to be nodding, but like, we weren't allowed to eat. I told my team, they weren't allowed to eat. I was like, you can't eat between 11 and two and five and seven. That's when people are in here. Like, this is when we eat as human beings, everybody else in the world gets to eat and we don't get to eat. And then we finally get to eat and we have five minutes and we have to like slam this food down. And then you're walking around and you're all stuffed and you feel like garbage. And anyway, so, um, I didn't even know what it was like to eat normally. Like I was in hospitality for 17 years. (laughs) And so when we started talking about, you know, renegotiating the relationship with food, I feel like I just had so many like aha moments (laughs) with you in our conversations and you were like, just eat. And I was like, and so I was already out of hospitality. I wasn't working physically. I wasn't working physically in a store for a very long time, but still eating in the same way because it was what I was conditioned to do. It's like the elephant tethered to the stake that could run away. Right. Yeah. And I like learned helplessness. That's what they call it. And I like, and, and yeah, I just, it just continued to get worse. So my husband is a competitive marathon runner and he has very strict eating um habits which I don't know if those are supportive either (laughs) now at this point in time but um you know he does his thing and I do mine but 
it's like, you just kind of like all of these things kind of evolve in your life and you find yourself at a place one day and you wake up and you're like, Oh, like, this is how it works. And then I start talking to you and you're like, well, why can't it look like this? Or why can't it look different? Or the exact same things I do coaching people, (laughs) but never thought to apply that premise to food and health and how I felt and eating intuitively, like, oh my God, eating intuitively completely changed my life. I eat all the time now and I have lost 25 pounds and it wasn't about the weight loss for me. It was a very slow progression. Like how long has it been since we started working on this a year and a half, two years probably? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like I just lost 25 pounds. I just started eating what felt good for me. I started picking up food and looking at it and being like, does this look nutritious to me? Does this look like something I want to eat? Even if it was a chocolate bar. And I was like, is this what I want right now? And sometimes I was like, hell yeah. And sometimes I was like, hell no. (laughs) And so I got more conscious about what I was eating. And, and the other thing that happened was I didn't deny myself. So I stopped saying, so what used to happen, and this is just such a light bulb moment for me. Like when I realized this, I was like, oh my God. So we used to, let's say we had dinner reservations, Chris and I, let's say we were going out somewhere for dinner. It's like three o'clock. I'm kind of hungry. And I'm like, oh, but you got dinner reservations tonight. So you can't have anything. So by the time I get to dinner at six o'clock, I'm like, give me the appetizers. Give me the wine. I'm like eating everything. I roll out of the restaurant. I feel like I'm going to die. Why am I doing that (laughs) to myself? Right. And now it's like, yeah, I have a dinner reservation when I went with a friend last night for dinner and I was hungry at four o'clock. I had a sandwich and I was like, I'm just not going to eat as much at dinner, right? And it's just such a shift in the way you're thinking, but I feel so much better every day. Um, And I have so much more energy, like so much more energy. It's crazy because I'm fueling my body. Yeah. This makes me so happy. I, yeah, I want to unpack this a little bit more (laughs) um, because I'm just, I'm so stoked for you to hear this now. I don't know how many months it's even been since we work together. Mm-hmm. I probably should have figured yeah. out that timeline before we hopped on That's this, but it's been a while. It's been yeah. probably just about a year. And yeah. so to hear that you're in this space still of feeling so good and it has just become a lifestyle and, you know, you've been able to, to successfully make those changes and have that transformation is just friggin' amazing. And it fills my heart so much. And it makes me so happy for you that you get to live this life, right? Mm-hmm. That you aren't in this space of, trying to be focused on work during the day and also thinking about how hungry you are, but then thinking, okay, but it's three o'clock. I only have three hours until dinner, so I'm not going to eat now. And then you're hungry for the next three hours of work. You're not able to focus as much. You know, you're not being able to show up and serve in the way that you want to. And so it's just so cool to know that, yeah, that you've been able to sustain these changes. Um, I'd love to go back to some of your light bulb moments. So- obviously one of the ones being that like you, you don't need to save up for a dinner, for an event, for anything. Um, some of the other things that I can specifically remember are like some of the food rules that we worked through. And Mm -hmm. so beef jerky is obviously the first one that comes to mind. (laughs) Beef jerky. No, (laughs) we were talking about snacks and talking about the fact that snacks can just be snacks are just a smaller meal. Like a snack can be a sandwich. A snack can be a Mc 
double. That's what they're called. A Big Mac, whatever. Oh, uh, Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> like a snack can be whatever you want. I it just eat a children's McDonald's cheeseburger if I go. Love it. Love <laughs> That's it. all I get there. <laughs> but, but I even allow myself to eat McDonald's now. Yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but I wouldn't have done that before. Yeah. And I've lost weight and I feel better. Like yeah. I don't want to eat McDonald's every day, but if it's what I'm eating that day, then it's what I'm eating, you know? Yeah. And I remember that was one of the things, that was one of the things too, McDonald's and beef jerky are the two that I can recall specifically. <laughs> and I just remember challenging you on that and asking like, why can't you have this? And mm-hmm. I don't think you really had an answer either. You were just like, I just, I don't know. I haven't for so long. I just don't even know. And now like, how's your relationship with beef jerky? I love it. Oh my God. So I, it's now like a fun thing for me. And I go to like the butchers around town and I'll try all their different beef jerky and pepperoni sticks. And like, I don't know. I'm like, I love it. It's like an adventure in snacking for me. So yeah, I always have beef jerky in my fridge. Always. Okay. I've got to jump in to share something super exciting with you. My new food freedom approach coaching program is live. Do you struggle with knowing what to eat, how much to eat, and trying to dissect all the nutrition information online? Do you desire food freedom but still have a desire to lose weight and feel unsure about what to do? Do you wish that you could stop feeling bad about not eating the right thing and start feeling more in control about your nutrition? If so, this program is for you. I work with clients every day in FFA to help them learn how to eat in a way that is healthy and sustainable, feel confident in their skin, and buy back all the time and money they've spent tracking food, counting calories, and dieting. So if you are ready to transform your relationship with food and your body, you can head over to my Instagram page and DM me the word freedom, or click the link in the show notes to get started right now. I cannot wait to help you change your life. What? was it like in the beginning? I don't know if you can even remember Mm -hmm. this far back, but I think it's great for people to hear, you know, where you are now and after your journey and what you've been able to accomplish. But what were some of the challenges that you faced when we actually started working together and started trying to challenge the relationship that you had with food and your food mindset in the beginning? It was, it it was hard. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I remember you were like, just get snacks. And I was like, just get snacks. I don't even know what a snack is. I don't even know what I can get for a snack. I don't know what I'll eat. Like, and so I had to come at it from a place of curiosity. I had to come at it from a space of like, um, I'm just going to play with this. I'm going to buy some things I'm not going to like, and I'm going to buy some things I'm going to love, and then I'm going to figure it out. And what I've found over the last uh, year, number one, I get angry now if there's not snacks in the house. Like if I open the <laughs> fridge and I'm like, what am I going to snack on today? <laughs> oh my God, I'm probably going to die, which is terrible. <laughs> but that's how I feel. Cause I just like, it just like my, my work now is such brain work it, and I need a lot of fuel to produce what I need to produce in a day. And I've recognized that the fuel so much is the food. I mean, there are other factors, but it's so much the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I just started playing around with it. I definitely bought some things I didn't like and I threw them in the garbage and I was like, that's not for me. There are certain brands of beef jerky I will not eat now. <laughs> so I'm like, there's way better stuff out there, um, but it's all just personal preference. And so I think like, as with anything in life, when we start to create change or new habits in our lives, if we can come at it from a perspective of this is fun, I'm enjoying this, this is an adventure, then we're going to be successful. If we come at it from a perspective of like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. This sucks. 
you walk around the grocery store and you're not even willing to try something, you're probably not going to be able to make that change. And so that's my biggest reflection um, back on that was like the moments where I was like, oh, this sucks. And I'm in the grocery store. I used to be like, okay, well, let's have some fun. Let's get some jello cups. Let's get some <laughs> stuff we got when we were kids and and like stupid stuff like that. And I tried it all. I did it all. And so um, I think that kind of got me through the process of the transition and the change and creating those habits. Um, and it's, it, I was going to say also, it's a constant evolution. So like right now I'm addicted to cantaloupes. I don't know. I just love them. I like, I'm like, I need a cantaloupe every week and I cut it up and put it in the fridge. So, so, you know, like, um, you, you kind of evolve in those snacks and stuff. And so you got to stay open to what those are and just kind of let things keep coming in for you as you try them in different places or different people's homes or restaurants or whatever. And be like, no, no, that's great for me. Right. And let yourself have it. So cool. I love that idea of just exploring, channeling like your inner child almost and getting to to have that excitement about it because food can be exciting. Like, yes, food is fuel, but there's also emotions attached to it, right? There always will be. So yeah, yeah I think that, that that's such a fun idea for people to take and potentially implement into their own journey as well. I love that so much. I'll just tell you this quickly, but my best friend in elementary school, so uh, Jen, she was like my bestie and I used to go to her house every day for lunch and her mom used to make us little mini pasta shells. Jen didn't like craft dinner, so she made it with um, cheese whiz okay. <laughs> and Parmesan. And anyway, I made, I've made it a bunch of times and it's like amazing. And I've also made ants on a log. Yeah, so good. <laughs> when you start going out and you're like, you know, and it's just super fun anyway. So I'm sorry, I did grass, but I thought I could share that. It's pretty I funny. think that's so helpful too, though, because again, I think it's this like assumed transition that we go through when we step into adulthood that, okay, well now I'm an adult. So I can't have any of those kids snacks. I can't have the rice krispies or the ants on a log or the cheese whiz pasta. Like those are things that you have as a kid, not as an adult, but why? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. For real. Right. Are there things, are there other things in your wellness journey that have changed since that point in time as well. Like I know when we first started, you had your personal trainer and you were like, okay, the next step is to navigate nutrition, but you were still kind of in that in-between transitional space of figuring out like, what are my self-care practices that I need to bring back? You know, how am I actually getting to that space of feeling like me again? So what Mm -hmm. are some of the other elements that have shifted since then? So my personal trainer had a baby. Oh, (laughs) I'm just kidding, Danielle. I love you, but she had a baby. So she's actually gone right now on mat leave. And so I've kind of been on my own for the last like two and a half months. And that's been a really interesting. So I've gone through another transition. Like how do I work out on my own? And because I needed an accountability partner or else I was not getting out of bed. Yeah. And so I kind of had to navigate that piece of the journey. And so I started to work a lot more on shorter workouts that are uh, really weight focused for my age as a woman. And I feel like they're really beneficial for me. And so they're actually even changing my body and changing the way I feel right now, which is super interesting. So there'll be things for me and the trainer to talk about when she comes back. Um, another thing is just getting outside every single day. Um, I'm, I'm really nervous about winter, uh, because I know it's so good for my health, my mental health, my well-being, like everything I take my dog, I have a giant hundred pound dog and I take him for a walk every day. 
I shouldn't say it too loud because if he hears me, he will come running. <laughs> um, I take him out every single day and him and I just go on like an adventure. Sometimes we'll get in the car and we'll drive somewhere. And I always come back smiling. Like I always come back with a smile on my face. And so that's been a really important self-care practice. I hate the colds though. <laughs> So when it gets to minus 30, I'm a little nervous. I'm going to every year. I'm like, I'm going to try, but I usually give it up between like December and like mid February. And those are like the hardest months of the year for me because I'm just not getting outside and it's so important. And then other things um, for my self-care that I think are like helping my well-being are listening. Um, I don't actually read physical books very much anymore because I don't have time, but listening to inspirational audio books or podcasts or things that just kind of like ignite my spirit or my mind. So I do a lot around business, but I really try to carve out a little space around women's well-being or like whatever, right? Maybe learn something spiritual or whatever um, and carve that space. And I feel like that that really contributes to my self-care um, practices as well. Because then my mind is in a good place, you know? I yeah. feel so good. Yeah. yeah, you're coming at it from kind of all aspects, mind, yeah. body, soul, everything. I think that's yeah. so important. So cool how I think challenging one area of your life can parlay into just everything. You know, it's a, it's a domino effect, right? And you are a testament of that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to just get curious about is, is your weight loss specifically, because while I am not in a space where, you know, in the capacity that I work with women, weight loss is not at the forefront. That's not a goal that we're focusing on. We're not, you know, doing weigh-ins or progress pictures or anything like that, but it is a goal that 99% of my clients have. They come to me and they are struggling with food. And as a result, they are struggling with their weight and their body image. And one of the biggest myths that I hear is people coming to me and saying, well, I just need to eat less and move more because Mm -hmm. it's calories in calories out. And I actually did a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago on this concept to really just debunk it. But I would love to hear from you because you are a great testimony in that we weren't like we were focusing on your relationship with food and as a result, your body changed. So Mm -hmm. what, yeah, what was that experience like for you focusing not primarily on weight? Was that difficult for you? Um, Did you like, how did you come to accept that? How did you come to terms with, Like whatever happens to my body is going to happen as a byproduct of focusing on health promoting behaviors. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily an easy transition because as you age, and I mean, we all know this, I'm a little older than you. I won't say how much older, (laughs) but I've been through a couple more transitions and like every year you're like, shit, I'm not going to look like I was when I was 20 again. Right. And everything keeps changing everything drops and droops and changes. Right. And so to start to accept that about yourself, I think is the first thing, because I think at least for me, and I really can just give you my own experience and whether it resonates with your listeners or not. But for me, when um, I focused on losing weight or looking a certain way, I was, I was like grasping onto the past. So I was grasping and holding on to something that was no longer a part of my life. Um, now, could I lose some weight and could my body change? For sure. Am I going to look like I was 20 again? Probably not. And do I want to look like I was 20 again? Not really. I don't want to be 20 again. <laughs> I feel like I've evolved so much since I was 20 years old, right? So all of those things. So I kind of just started to have those conversations with myself and started to think, 
okay, well, why do I want to be well? Why do I want to have a strong sense of well-being and mental health in my life? And what does that look like for me? And so for me, what I did was I set a goal. And so I decided that, and it's a big goal and I've held on to it ever since. And I've decided that on my 80th year of my life, if I'm still alive, God willing, that I will hike Machu Picchu in the Inca Trail. And I will only be able to do that if I take care of myself. And so it's not about a weight thing. It's not about, you know, it's about a long game thinking thing. And for me, if I look back, so I go to this experience at 80 years old and I'm hiking the Inca Trail in Peru, it's a cool experience. I really have to resist going right now because I really want to go, but <laughs> I still might, we'll see. But um, this experience, if I look back through the things that got me to that experience, they're really beautiful experiences in life because I was able to show up. I was able to lift my nephews when they were a hundred pounds. I was able to run around and play in the park with them. I was able to walk my dog every day. I was able to, you name it. Right. And so the, the preceding moments leading up to this Inca trail <laughs> dream, um, create a beautiful life for me. And so I anchored into a why and, uh, yeah, it gets me a little emotional. Like, I mean, God, I hope I get there and I get to do that. I'm going to be like, that would be really cool. So yeah, I don't know. It's something cool to look forward to. Right. That makes me emotional. Just like, that's just so powerful to speak in such a, a futuristic sense and to have that long-term goal for yourself, I think is so difficult in our society now where everything is instant gratification, right? We do something today and expect to see results yesterday. So to be able to shift your mindset in that way is so powerful and so beautiful. And the most beautiful things in life, they take time. Mm. And so if we can stop living in this crazy world that we're living in, even just for a moment and slow down and like take a breath, and be like, what do I really want for myself? We can connect with what matters, mm-hmm. you know? And this is the work that I do with women on, on a leadership scale and a career scale, right? But it's so incredibly important and it's so impactful. Well, I feel like you've already provided so many little tidbits of advice throughout this episode, but I'm curious if you have any specific words of wisdom or pieces of advice that you could offer any of the listeners who resonated with your story, who are struggling with food or have struggled with food, who are in this space of maybe wanting to lose weight, probably that is going to be a component of their goals, but really just struggling with feeling like they've let themselves go or they they don't know, you know, what to do next. Like, do you have any words of advice for them? Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> I would suggest trying to practice acceptance. You know, I, there's lots of different ways in which you can do that. Um, but when we don't accept who we are and where we are at currently right now, we're not living in the moment. Um, I did this really interesting exercise. It was in this book called rise sister rise by Rebecca Campbell. And it's a very spiritual book. It's very, it's not for everybody, but one of the exercises was learning to love yourself. And she remembered, she recommended that you pick the song. And you stood in front of the mirror or walked around naked for that entire song every day for 21 days. And I did this exercise. And the first couple of days, I was like, oh, I couldn't even look at myself. And I was like, oh, my God, I was like, look at my cellulite. And I was like turning the song off. And then after a while, I was like dancing. 
and just, and, and, and I don't do it anymore. I haven't done it since. Um, but I have a completely different perspective of my body, uh, of loving my body, of loving who I am, of loving the wrinkles, the folds, the, (laughs) the weird parts and the beautiful parts. And, um, I don't know, it just really shifted things for me. So if there is any way that you can practice accepting who you are and just recognize that you're beautiful, like you are beautiful who you are and you're unique and nobody else is you. And so if we can own and honor that, I just think it's so special in our lives. That is so beautiful. (laughs) And I have chills and I am getting emotional. That is, yeah, that's perfect. I love that. Um, so for you now, what does, what does self-love mean? What does that look like for you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a constant process. <laughs> it's a constant evolution. There are moments I don't love myself for sure. I'm human. Um, but it's, it's a working towards for me every single day of this idea of accepting myself, of nurturing myself, and then of also showing up authentically, like showing up as me. My life and my career have called me to show up in ways that I never thought I would ever have to show up in my life. And they have definitely challenged me to the core. And so I try to take those experiences now and use them as fuel to continue to connect to this, this loving myself, this loving, this journey of life, and just, just being willing and ready to, to go for it. Yeah. I think that acceptance piece is so important, but I also think it's important to know that it's not always going to be there. There are going to be those days, like you said, where you don't love yourself, where you're not feeling accepting, where you are feeling judgy. And maybe your narrative, your internal dialogue isn't supportive, self-loving, positive, uplifting. You know, maybe it is a little bit self-deprecating or judgmental. And so knowing that it it's not linear, right? It's, mm-hmm. there's going to be ebbs and flows, But I think if we can accept that, then we can move through those ebbs and flows a lot faster and get back to that place of acceptance. Agreed. And if we have to sit in an ebb for a while, sit in an ebb for a while, but just know that everything changes. Yeah. And so that ebb is not going to be forever (laughs) and it will come back. Yeah. That's perfect. You hit the nail on the head. Ali, this was such an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful that you were here. I know that this is going to hit home with so many of the women who are going to tune into this episode. Um, and I hope that it really lands with your audience as well. Obviously women in the leadership space, knowing what's possible for them when they can take care of themselves and show up in a way that is authentic. Um, I would love to provide contact information for anyone that is out there listening as well. If they are wanting to follow along your journey or if they are needing support in the leadership space. So can you let people know where they can find you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you can also go to my website, www.theinspiredleader.com. Um, I think just connecting with me on Instagram or LinkedIn are the best ways because I'll just respond and we'll have a conversation <laughs> and that's a great way. And, um, Also in January, I'm running a women's wellness leadership experience here in Edmonton. And so uh, I'm inviting you, Chelsea, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but if anybody that's listening is in the area and wants to come join and just kind of have one of these experiences, um, that's an opportunity right now as well. So depending on when this podcast airs, there might still be tickets for that. So 
Amazing. Okay. Well, I will be sure to link all of that in the show notes. So if you are interested in connecting with Ali, finding out about the retreat, following along her journey, you can do that by clicking the links in the show notes. And yeah, I think that's a wrap. Ali, again, so grateful to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you guys got value from the show, I would love for you to rate and share it. And if you have any questions about the conversation today, you can always find me on Instagram or Facebook at Chelsea Glubish. Catch you on the next one.